1: Today is Tuesday, December the seventh, uh, two thousand and twenty-one. This is episode twenty-nine ninety-six of the Survival Podcast. You got me in a just Jack show today. We're going to talk about fighting back by living a better life. We're going to talk about like people that want to fight back, and they, and, and I, I think a lot of times what people. Think of when they think of fighting back, it involves voting or yelling at people or posting stuff that's angry on social media or waking people up. We're going to find out today that you really can't wake people up. You can help people who wake up, but people have to wake up on their own. We're going to talk about all of that more today. And I wanted this to be kind of motivational, exciting show today, and it will be. I've already done the live stream section of it, so I can tell you it went really well. We're heading toward the end of the year. The last thing I want to do is talk about Down and Dark. At the end of the year, I want to talk about rising above. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Before we jump into that, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is Ridge Wallet. I love Ridge Wallet because they helped me become more of a minimalist. I, I, I divorced myself of my giant lump on my butt billfold about three years ago. I'm never going back. It was a hard sell for me. I was like, if I'm going to endorse a product, I have to be willing to use it. So I got my Ridge wallet, I put the stuff that would fit in it, and I left the other stuff in the billfold and I put it on the shelf and said, Self, you can do this for a month, and if you can't live without that stuff, go get it back. It's still sitting there, it's still got that stuff in it, I'm good. The only thing that came out of it was my challenge coin, I carry that in my pocket now. That's it. Um, It's just a better way to do things, and... uh, It will protect you from identity theft, and they have a bunch of really cool stuff, and it makes a good Christmas gift, and you can learn more at RidgeWallet.com, and if you're an MSB member, you can get 10% off all your purchases there. Next up today, Backwoods Home Magazine. I'm going to talk a little bit about becoming a polymath today. That's Knowing a lot about a lot of things, maybe not being an expert in any individual one of them or maybe in a couple of them, but, it, but being well-versed in many things and being good at many things. And you might wonder, well, how did Jack develop all this crazy, ridiculous knowledge that he has? Part of it all goes back to 1993 when i just gotten out of the Army and I found Backwoods Home Magazine at a Barnes & Noble Bookstore when people went to bookstores. And I found this magazine. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like teleporting myself back to my little homestead I grew up on in Pennsylvania. I was living in a big city now and had a regular job. and like, You know, it was not long after that that I I, I subscribed to my first magazine as an adult, where I, on my own, with my own money, I filled out a form and sent it in and subscribed to a magazine. And that magazine was Backwoods Home. And I've been reading it since, it was 1994. It was that next year in, in in the winter where I got a decent job instead of just a job. And I was like, I can afford this. I'm still a reader. 1994, 2022 is about to be. Do I need to see more? More? Check them out at BackwoodsHome.com. And in the show notes today, you'll see there's a link. You can get 24 years of Backwoods Home magazine on a thumb drive. For 45 bucks, all that archive stuff there on one little thumb drive. All right, so with that, let's go ahead and jump on into it. This is from the live feed that we did on YouTube and some other places. You'll hear about that in just a second. If you'd like to, to be able to get on these live feeds, one of the ways you can do that, subscribe to my YouTube channel, click the alarm button, little bell next to it once you do, or at least follow me on social media or Telegram or get on the Daily Mail. Well, hello there, folks. Welcome to today's episode of the Survival Podcast. Um, Some of you may be on Facebook, and you might be like, what the hell's Jack doing on Facebook? I, uh, I talked about this with everybody else that's not on Facebook yesterday, and we all decided collectively there'd be no harm in me doing this. What I'm going to be doing going forward, when I live stream, at least for a while, I will not just be on YouTube and Float and Odyssey and places like that. I will also be uh, on Facebook as well because I don't have to go on Facebook to be on Facebook. Turns out all I have to do is tick a couple buttons over here in StreamYard and I can be there without being there. So I'm never going to uh, sully my browser with that evil spying organization again. But if you're still there, you can hear from me if you want to interact with me. Come on over to YouTube or follow me on real social media instead of uh, the CIA spy platform. But that's not what we're talking about today. No, today we're talking about fighting back by living a better life. And I came up with this topic today because I wanted to, I wanted to do something motivational. I wanted to look out at this world that's becoming increasingly dark and sinister, uh, where I see all of my feeds even on, you know, real social media instead of fake social media f- filling up every day with all types of just awful, awful things from the people that are supposed to be fighting back. Gloom and doom and things like that. I, I'm like, man, I don't, I don't want to preach gloom and doom. And I even catch myself doing it sometimes, like exposing the the underbelly of what's going on. But if you guys have noticed, um, I haven't really spoken a lot about the COVIDs lately. Occasionally it will come into a conversation, but I'm not like beating on it like I was. As far as alternative treatments and, 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 and thoughts about the jab and all that. And the reason is simple. I think the people that want to wake up to reality have... And many people haven't. And while I was going to just come straight into this episode going full on about what to do, ways to fight back, and I have like 10 ways to fight back that are really right in line with what we've always taught here at the Survival Podcast, I ended up somehow, and if you notice the thumbnail of this video, thinking about The Matrix Thinking about Matrix, and Neo, and Morpheus, and all of that, and waking people up, and etc. And as I did that, I thought, well, let's just explore that, because sometimes when something comes into your mind and you explore it, there's a reason, and it leads you to a good place. And so, I want to start out with a confession. I have been thanked many, many times for helping people wake up from the Matrix, or, or some other version of it. I've been told I've red-pilled people, etc. And a long time ago, I said I stopped even trying. But the reason I stopped trying isn't because I didn't think it was worth doing it. I realized I never did it. I've never red-pilled anybody, and neither have you. And neither has anybody else. And every time I've been credit, credited for doing it, it was an unjust credit to me. Because it can't be done. You can't red pill somebody. It's impossible. And you might be thinking, Jack, you're wrong, because you or something, you know, like, a lot of times I get mentioned with other people, and it's it's humbling when somebody says it's between you and Jordan Peterson, you know, the two of you. I'm like, wow, like, just to even be in the same... But if it's jo- I don't care if it's Jordan. I don't care if it's, like, you know, Joe Rogan. I don't care who it is. I don't care how big the personality is. I don't care if it's on the anarcho side Larkin Rose. I don't care if it's... Uh, Jeff Berwick. I don't care who it is. I don't care how great they are. I don't care if it's with cryptocurrencies. Michael Saylor, who is... I I love Michael. Michael, like I say, is Michael like a spirit animal or something. No one can actually wake anybody up. It's not possible. And we have no right to. We have no right to. There's a lot of lessons in that movie, though, and we're going to go through some of them here. But what actually happens is the person wakes up themselves. And often, you know, in the movie we're taught, you can't go back in. Like once you wake up, you can't go back to sleep. You can't not see it anymore. Um, I, don't, I don't agree with that. People fall back into it all the time, in and out. I believe that every day we wake up and we make a decision of how we're going to view the world that day. And I think the more we view it through the lens of reality and separation from the indoctrination, the propaganda, etc., the more red-pilled we become, if you want to use the analogy. But Jack Spirico never said to you, choose the red pill or the blue pill. Okay? And no one else ever did either. What happened was, you were complacent, and then one day you saw things and they weren't quite right. Maybe you always knew they weren't quite right. And when you saw that, you made a decision to pull on that thread. And people might have helped you in that journey and might continue to help you in that journey. I'm not saying that there's no, there's no good in being someone's Morpheus. Okay. To a degree, but I am saying that that person has to seek it themselves. They have to choose themselves and they have to actually begin to do it for themselves. So here's what happens. Here's how people wake up to the harsh realities of the world. They realize the world they live in is a matrix of propaganda. And that propaganda is designed to control you. And they generally do not see everything that is propaganda as propaganda all at the same time. There's some thing, there's some weak link, There's a, I can't remember the, the cartoon or Disney thing about the, the dragon, but it had one piece of armor missing on its belly and the, the archer shoots it, and it hits it right in that, and it kills the dragon, slays the dragon. So the dragon here, being the media, the government, the educational system, the banking system, all of this is a very fierce beast. But every person has a place where they can see a weakness in the armor if they choose to. And there'll be this one spot, that you'll find, whatever it is for you, you could learn about the banking system and the way debt works and fractional reserve banking and see that system of the control for it is. You could simply look at the fact that government's been claiming to fix the problem of poverty while making the problem of poverty worse for over a century. You, it, it can be anything. It can be that everybody told you everything was going to be okay and then one bad thing happened and it wasn't okay for tens of thousands or hundred thousands of thousands or even millions of people. For many people, I think it was the, the the COVIDS pandemic right where people looked around and said, "This isn't right." even people that were all in on yeah we have we're all in this together. they bought the whole narrative in the beginning over time it began to wane and people started saying, "Wait, this isn't right but for you there's something that is that weak piece of armor and you make a choice right there that's the real pill. Do I pick at it? Do I pull at it?" And if you do, has anybody here ever, you know, found like rust on a car that's kind of cancered behind the quarter panel, and you, 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 is it as bad as it looks? And you, you see a little bubble in the paint, and you push on it and you pull. What happens next? It starts just like all of a sudden there's a hole, right? You need you need a big ass gallon of bondo to try to fix your bondo mobile, right? Like or there's like a like a weak spot in a wall and you pick at it and it turns out everything's cancer is behind it it just starts to fall apart it's that one thread in the towel or the fabric that when you pull it just starts coming and coming and coming and then all of a sudden all those plates begin to fall off the belly of the dragon and when you see that begin to happen all of a sudden you start to realize all the armor is a hologram That's the real hologram in the Matrix. It's not Agent Smith. It's not the pretty girl that gets shot. It's the shield is the hologram. It's actually not any good. It's actually very easy to see through. So you then realize you live in a matrix of propaganda that's designed to control you. And you start to realize how much of it there is. And you immediately realize, much to your chagrin... The most trusted sources, according to society's institutions, are to be trusted at least. It's not that everything you're told in school is a lie. Some of it's the truth. You need the truth to sell a lie. It's not even that when you're being lied to by a teacher, the teacher knows they're lying. The best liar on your behalf believes what they're saying. Only you know that it's a lie. Right? It's not that every single thing you see on the news is a lie... It's that a lot of it is a lie, and the lies are the ones that direct your attention and your energy flow and your rage and control you and make you afraid or make you angry. And those are the paths, you know, let's cross over to another uh, movie franchise, right? The paths to the dark side. And when you head to the dark side, you go under control of evil. So you realize all this. And then you stop trusting those sources, and you begin to pull at the threads, and you, you seek out alternative information. You start asking your question, if this isn't true, what else isn't true? And then you realize like the people around you are largely still plugged into the Matrix. And in the movie, they talk about how they will kill to defend it. And you start to realize like that's literally what you're dealing with. And most of us will at some point, as we begin to see these things, we develop Messiah Complex. Messiah Complex is where we want to run around and be Morpheuses. And we want to be Morpheuses to people that are still in the pod with the thing shoved in the back of their neck that are like, leave me alone, let me sleep. And at the same time, we espouse the concept of free will, that we should all be free to do as we choose. We're interfering with the rights of those plugged in and remain plugged in if they want to. We're speaking to those who do not wish to hear and this is like trying to teach a pig to sing right remember that if you ever try to pe- don't try to teach a pig to sing it makes you look stupid and annoys the pig right it's like it's like wrestling with the pig in a pigsty full of shit and expecting not to get shit on you it's not going to work and there's thousands upon thousands of people who are already awake that want to discuss this with you, but what do you do? You tend to seek out those around you at first until you realize that you're literally pounding your head into a brick wall. And then you realize you can't unplug them and you have no right to either. And it's generally, this path is pretty short. Once the person wakes up, it is that, you know, from the movie where he goes down the slime chute like he's at some weird water park or something. Like, it, it is kind of like that. But what what happens is at the end, you know, where the the, the ship comes and, and picks up Neo and takes him away? Yeah, no one's there. No one's there. You wake up, no one's there. The other thing you realize is even the people around you were like your buddy, the conspiracy theorist, that turns out not to be a conspiracy theorist. He just turns out to be switched on. He's like this far out of the matrix, and you're just emerging your head like a newborn baby. You're new. You know what neo means? You know what neo means? It means new. Neo means new. Interesting pattern that emerges there. Then you realize that a neocon is a new conservative. That's what it actually means. Or a neoliberal is a new liberal. That's what the word means. New. So in the very first movie of the Matrix franchise, just minutes into it, when they told you the main character's name, if you were really switched on and paying attention, you knew the ending of the third movie. Or you should have. That's one pattern. But the other pattern is, it's you. You are new coming out of the Matrix. So the people around you who are already out, they want to go here, and you're like taking baby steps, and they're trying to get you to run a marathon. So what happens? I need help. So now you seek Amorpheus. You look for someone that will help you navigate this rebirth. And sooner or later, you find someone you resonate with. You turn on the Survival Podcast, and there's Jack Spirko in your ear, and you're like, I like this guy. Or you turn on the Survival Podcast, and you go, this guy's a jackass. He doesn't know shit. And you turn me off. But you keep journeying. You find Jordan Peterson. Maybe you find something like the Graham Hancock and, uh, uh, I can't think of the other guy's name now, it just went out of my mind, the, the, the other scientist you know, that, that talks about ancient history on Joe Rogan. And it's that becomes a thing for you, and then you start following that path. You, you find someone or something or some source of information that resonates, that kind of vibrates at the same level you're vibrating at. And it doesn't matter who it is, as long as they're honest and as long as they're doing real good work, you will begin to pull at that thread. You'll be able to fleck those pieces of armor off the belly of the dragon. And then that path actually takes quite a while for a lot of people. And you start to figure out action items and things to do in your life. And you start to actually change who you are and how you behave. And think about it like you were born like a baby, and, but you did it for yourself. But then adoptive parents came by and kind of picked you up and helped you along the way. You forget being born. You were too new. And then all of a sudden the Jack Spearco in your life gets the credit for red-pilling you. When the truth is, you saw glitches in the Matrix, and you woke up, and you took the red pill probably a hundred days in a row on your own you woke up every day and you had a choice because the pill is really the lens it's more like glasses do I put on the blue glasses that blind reality and make me comfortable or do I put on the red glasses that illuminate everything even though I'm not ready to see everything I'll see one new thing every day and in that transformation Again, you seek that Morpheus. Now, have you ever thought about the name Morpheus and why the name was chosen? The main meaning of the name Morpheus from ancient literature is God of Dreams. The God of Dreams. Think about that. What do dreams do for us? They help us process our life and figure out problems in our subconscious reality while we sleep. But I I, I tend to think that the, the the people behind the people behind the Matrix were thinking a little more simplistic. Morph. What is a metamorphosis? This this movie is incredibly um, incredibly symbolic. And the more you pull out those layers, the more you see in it. Morpheus was a person that helped new Neo transform. Into who he really was. To help him go through that metamorphosis. You know. What the student calls the end. The master calls a butterfly. Right? When the the caterpillar seizes its end. When it wraps itself up in that cocoon and goes dormant. The master knows it will emerge as a butterfly. And that's what Morpheus. And being someone's Morpheus is all about. Not doing it for them but helping them through their own walk. And to do that as a teacher, if you're true to what you're supposed to be as a teacher, you have to do it with tremendous humility, and you have to allow for the student to make their own choices, even when you think they're wrong, and you must remain humble enough to know that I might see what they're doing or the choice they're making now is wrong, and it may be wrong for me, but that doesn't mean it's wrong for them in their walk. And they might benefit from me standing out of their way. That's why so many times people will say to me, do you have an example of this? Can you give me a recipe? Down to a recipe for food or a spreadsheet for analysis. No. Make your own. Because your choice is the only one that can really be right in your life. You can have guides, but you can't have people do it for you. I can't do these things for you any more than I can get up in the morning open the window and watch the sunrise for you. If we stood in the same window at the same time, watching the sunrise exactly in time with each other, and the only space between our eyeballs to change the angle was you know a couple feet between our heads, because we weren't afraid and didn't need to socially distance. We still see the sunrise different. We see the red, the orange, the yellow, the gold, and the fleck differently as different beings. And when you understand that, You stop trying to wake people up and you work with people who are already awake to help them find their thing, their dream. We're going to talk more about that in just a minute. But what I want to talk about now is, well, then how do we fight back? What do we do? Many, many years ago, almost 14 now, it'll be 14 years in June of 2022, I got into my little car Driving up to Frisco, Texas from Arlington, which is a hell of a drive if you've ever done it. And I thought, I'm done yelling at the radio. I'm going to start talking to people and see who listens. And I started doing the Survival Podcast. And within an episode or two, being a marketer, I wanted to come up with a tagline. And I came up with the most horrible tagline if you follow a textbook example of a tagline for a company or a brand ever. Too long, too clunky. Helping you live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. So being an astute professional marketer, why did I choose to do that even though it was bad? Why did I choose to do it when I knew that I would be on people's shows and on interviews and stuff and people would try to say it and know what it meant and still get it wrong? Why didn't I think, like the, some of the greatest branding minds in the world, two brothers, Sachi and Sachi, and think about the concept of a love word? The love word is... Sum up your entire brand in one word. No one will mess that up and it will always be associated with you once you associate it with yourself and you do that in their mind. Because when I said it to myself in my head, I went, that's it. That's the truth. And that's how we fight back. And that's why it's been what we've taught for almost 14 years. Live that better life if times get tougher, even if they don't. And that's how we fight back. So the first thing we need to do is become non-brittle. And that means be a prepper. But I prefer to say it has become non-brittle, because when you're non-brittle, all the things that are used to coerce you stop working. You know, Neo's standing there, they're shooting the bullets at him, and the first thing he does is this, and he's dodging them all. But when he truly becomes masterful of the Matrix, what happens? And the bullets stop. And they drop to the ground. the hand goes out. The one thing they did really right in the cinematography in that scene was did you notice how calm the character Keanu Reeves was playing was. How calm the character Neo was when that happened. It was a moment, instant in time realization, this is nothing. And the bullets dropped. That's what happens metaphorically when we build a non-brutal life. When we we develop our own way forward. When we say, if everything goes to shit for six months, I'm going to be okay then there's very little that can be done to make you afraid. It is one of the same things that begins to happen if you take true wilderness training. If you know with four or five items, you can walk out into the wilderness and survive for a month and be relatively comfortable, it's very hard for somebody to make you afraid, isn't it? Then the only thing we become afraid of is what about our family that can't? What about my wife My wife is not going to put on a backpack, pick up Dave Canterbury's five C's, walk out into the wilderness and be comfortable and okay for a month. I can, but she can't. So I have to build my entire lifestyle with that mentality of resiliency in it, that mentality of non-brittleness in it. I have to build up every aspect of my life. So if this fails, this takes its place. And if that fails, it's two is one, one is none, three is for me. Four is more, five keeps us alive once I get into five levels of redundancy on every major aspect of my life, once I have enough food to feed my family for six months, even two or three months, once I know you can take my job and I can pay my bills for a year, my entire response to anything that says if you don't, we will, is go fuck yourself. And they hate it. You want to fight back? Live your life your way in spite of their edicts and do well while you do it. Do better than all the people complying from the Bible. heap uh, burning coals of kindness upon the head of thy enemy. Okay? Be a shining example of what happens when your life is non-brittle. And how do we do that? Well... One thing we need to do is stop trying to wake up people that don't want to be awake and federate with those who are awake. You ever heard the thing, two heads are better than one? The more people that you bring together on a common idea, the more solutions you develop, and the more solutions that people try, and the more we get to see examples of whether they work or not. Federate. Hmm. You mean like a federal republic? the way the country's supposed to be. where different states, do different things, and we see what works, and then the people that are smart emulate the ones that work and don't do the things that didn't work. Right until government gets involved and screws it all up, we need to federate. So when I say, hey, try this, and you do, and I try it too, and mine works and yours doesn't, we figure out, well, what was the missing ingredient? Does it work in Texas but not in Maine? Is it too cold there? If it's some sort of homesteading thing? Is there some way you can adapt that? Or was I just wrong and I got lucky? Right? And when you do something and it works, then the people that are federated but in northern climates look at and say, hey, he's from Maine. I'm going to do it his way, not Jack's way. I don't care if Jack has an audience. This is a federation. And that transcends all things. Ways of thinking, ways of speaking, how to communicate with others, how to get business done, how to handle finances, how to grow your own food, all of it happens from that federation, and the strength of that federation. And then, question everything. Anything anybody tells you that comes out of media or any institution at all in society, question it. Again, it does leftists refuse to listen. That's what one of our people say. You're not listening to me then. You're not listening to me then. We don't need the leftists. It's not about left and right. It's about wake up or sleep. Trust me, there is a shit ton of people on the right, totally the fuck asleep. Got it? If you think left and right at this point, you're eating too many blue pills and not enough red ones. This is about you, your life, your family, and those you federate with. Period. All right? He says he's got it. Good. Um, Anyway, question everything and become a true polymath. Now, I've done whole episodes about being a polymath, and I think some people get the idea of being a polymath wrong. It means you have to be good at everything. No, it means you have to be good at many things, and exposed to many things, and have a diverse skill set. And then people also look at, like, well, who is an archetypal polymath? You know, Leonardo da Vinci, Benjamin Franklin, right? Great genius minds. Well... Who do you think is a uh, a better martial artist? Jack Spierko, or anybody that fights professionally in, in MMA? And, and the answer is the second one. Anybody! That, like, the super featherweight, white, lightweight guy that's brand new, but he's actually good enough to be professional in MMA, better martial artist than me. right? And, and if we look at, if we do Da Vinci... Then I don't really follow MMA, but whoever's your 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 world champion heavyweight right now, right? There's Da Vinci for martial arts, right? Or if you're in into some other martial art, then your discipline, right? Whoever's your top grandmaster, whatever, that's that's your Da Vinci, okay? All right, fine. Does that mean if you practice martial arts, you're not also a martial artist? Do you have to be a Da Vinci to be an artist, right? Do you have to be an Edison to be an... Well, Edison was a rip-off artist, but do you have to be a Tesla to be an inventor? No. So you don't have to be a da Vinci to be a polymath. You just have to develop a broad knowledge of how to do things and how to learn and how to teach yourself. And you don't have to be good at things you fucking hate. Right? Like, uh, I'm sure Beethoven was pretty good at playing the piano. If you don't like to play the piano, you don't have to play the piano. Because I guarantee you, people like da Vinci, people like Beethoven, people like Mozart. If they didn't like doing something, they didn't do it. But they questioned everything. When somebody said you can't do that, well, maybe you're wrong. How would I know you're wrong if I don't try? So we learn to self-instruct. We learn to self-teach and we diversify our knowledge and our skill set. And we realize... The only way you'll get, the only way you'll get to a point where you become a master of this is to realize it never ends. It never stops. It never ceases. There will never be a day for the rest of your life that you don't learn something new or become a little bit better at one thing in your life or question something ever. And the day you stop, I don't care how many days in a row you ate the red pill, now you put the blue glasses on, you're going back in. Then, with that path, You become exposed to so much opportunity, so much diversity, and I hear it from you guys as you're beginning to really wake up into your own reality, not mine, yours. I have these ideas, man. I got these ideas. They all could crush it, but I don't know which one. Great, you've now become an entrepreneur. Whether you mean it that way or not, you have. Every good entrepreneur has that. There's... 20 things I could start as a project right now. i got to pick one. And what that leads you to is finding what you love. Finding what you will pursue with passion. Finding the thing that you'll talk about the way I talk about these things. I don't have to perform for you guys when I'm doing a podcast or a live feed. I don't have to. I don't have to like get into character. I get into this and it touches the core of my soul to where there is nothing that I want to do in my life more than teach people who want to learn what I want to teach about. You know what I don't want to teach? Somebody that doesn't want to learn, or somebody that wants to learn something that I even know how to do, but I don't want to teach that day. That's not my passion. That's not my wheelhouse. And there's something about that, that when you discover that, and you give yourself... In the words of Richard Bach, the permission to be selfish in the best way possible, you become unstoppable. There's literally nothing anybody can do to stop you from pursuing what you want. If somebody puts a wall up, you will blow it up, tunnel under it, power through it, climb over it, doesn't matter. Whatever needs doing will get done because it's like a drug, again, in the best way possible. There's a concept with, with, with heroin addicts of chasing the dragon. There's that first one for some people. And it's so euphoric. And they never get it back, but they keep chasing it. That's a negative. That's a negative when you become that questful for something that you can never reattain. When you figure out what you love, and it's a positive influence on the world, and you chase that dragon, you slay all the others. You constantly slay all the others. No matter how much they try to replace that armored plate on the chest, it's never enough. You always have another arrow. You always have another option. And if you have to move to do what you love, if you have to re-educate yourself, if you have to go back to school, if you have to sell something so you can fund it, whatever you got to do, do it. But the one that holds the most people up is, well, I can't do that here. Move. Well, I can't move to another state. My wife won't let me or my husband won't let me. Sometimes all you have to do is move down the road a couple miles. Move into an unincorporated area, move a little bit outside of this, move where it's not legal but no one gives a shit. Change what you're doing, make it virtual. Locate your company in another state and run it from the one you're in. I don't know. I can There's there's a few ideas. There's a thousand more. But whatever's in the way, you must see it is a thing to be obliterated. And you have to stop making excuses. The number one thing... That destroys people... Once they get this far... And prevents them from ever being fully reborn... as the true humans... The sovereign being that they're meant to be... Is excuses. One of my laws of life is you can make excuses or money... Not both. You can make results... Or you can make excuses... Excuses are horrible. So how do we fix excuses? Because what some people will say, well, like, Jack, the things I'm saying are legitimate impediments to my advancement. Okay, they're reasons versus excuses until you stop trying to overcome them. As long as you're asking that mental computer, that three pounds of gray matter between your ears, computer, solve for X... How do I get around this, destroy it, get past this, make it irrelevant? And you ask that question every day, over and over again, you will get answers. Some will require sacrifices you'll be okay with, some you're not going to be okay with. But you'll find answers. And they're not excuses as long as you're seeking an answer. And you're willing to act when you find the only answer that will work for you. The minute that stops the process... It's an excuse. It's bullshit. And in the old saying, excuses are like assholes. Everybody's got one. And all of them stink. I'm sorry. You cannot live in a world as an excuse maker and succeed in a place where everything's already... It's all stacked against us. I really think everybody should build some form of value-based business into your life. Something that you do that has value beyond your employment. And even if you're going to be an employee, that you find some way to do that, some way to market yourself, some way to become so invaluable in your space, in your industry, even as an employee, that you're basically a hitman. You might be legally employed, according to the government, as an employee, but you are a contractor. You're a person that can go out there and demand what they want, and other people will give it to you. Well, how do you get that, Jack? Jack? It's easy for you, right? I mean, back when I was in 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 corporate sales, I had literally had my own headhunter. Like when I was tired of something, I called him and said, hey, Mark, get me something else. And he would go get me something else. Like having an agent for for like a, a guy that's in sports. You know how I got that way? Didn't give a shit what anybody said, decided what I wanted and went for it, and never made an excuse about it. That's it. You want some long... 60,000-word dissertation on how to get that? No, it's it. A real teacher gives you a real answer, not bullshit. Not a bunch of fluff, not a bunch of puff. That's what you do. You find what you're passionate about, you develop a passion for it, you develop a skill set in it, and you go out and you take it, and do not be afraid to tell people that you're good at what you fucking do. Arrogance is telling everybody you're better than everybody else. And generally, people that say that aren't. Confident is being willing to say what you're good at, how good you're at good at it, how good you are at it, and what you're worth in return for it. And when people know that other people think that about you, they think it more, and you become somebody that people compete for. So if you're not going to have, you know, Joe Blow Inc, then Joe Blow, the entity, needs to act like an ink. And even though I might take employment with company A, it's really in my mind a contract that lasts as long as you honor your word to me and I like what I'm doing for you and I feel fairly compensated. And if company B comes along and wants to buy out my contract, buy. And you may never leave. Because you may never have to. Or you build, I don't care if it's a little wood shop based business or a plant propagation business or a uh, a business selling teas or something in the herbal or whatever it is, build something that no one can take from you. Build a reputation and build a brand. If that's as somebody that owns a company, great. If that's somebody that works for others, fine. And then realize, since I know, in spite of everything I say today, you still want to wake other people up. I know that. Because I do too. Even though I give that advice, I want to wake up others. I want people, when I get paid, guys, like the money is a means to an end. That's why I make sure there's a roof over my head. I make sure I can participate in homeschooling my grandkids so they're not in the beast system. I make sure that when my wife wants something, I can just do it. Like that's what the money's for. And I believe when you do the right thing the right way for long enough and you put smart, intelligent business processes in, money comes out the other end. But the payday is the emails that say, Jack, I started a business because you wouldn't shut up about it. And now my family has a six-figure income and I don't go to the office anymore. That's my freaking payday, guys. So I want to wake people up. I want to wake them up to that. I want to wake them up to the fact that we can take care of ourselves more through just changing our nutrition than any drug that we ever take. I want to wake them up to that everybody on the TV, including your favorite side of the dichotomy, is lying to you. I want to wake them up to all that. But first, if you're going to wake them up, you have to wake up. And I don't mean to all the things we've talked about up till now. You have to wake up to the final revelation when it comes to this stuff final revelation you do not wake up people with you with your words you wake up people with your actions and the results of your actions if I want somebody to start growing their own food I can talk about it till I'm blue in the face or I can invite them over to my home and I can make a simple quick dish and while I'm putting it together go oh this really could use some celery and some sage and a few peppers. And I can have them walk out in my yard with me and I can cut the food and I can bring it back in and I can cook it and I can put it on the plate in front of them and it can be fantastic. I have like my, my old business partner, Neil Franklin, who came to visit me at my home set up in Arkansas. And I went out and pulled carrots out of the ground. Like, there they are. Chopped them up, butter and sage on the grill. They were... Three seconds out of the ground before they were being cut up, and they were two minutes out of the ground before they were on the grill. Salt, butter, and sage. We ate those. He was like, oh, my God. And this guy, food. Like, this guy's eating in the most expensive restaurants in the world. He's like, this is amazing. He's like, what did you do? And I said, you watched me do it. Salt, butter, and sage. Now, this guy, if I told him to grow a garden, but have told me to go, screw it. I don't have time for that. That kind of entrepreneur, Right. Busy all the time, traveling the world all the time. I don't have talk Calls me up about three weeks later. He says, you bastard. I'm like, what? You lied. I have no idea what he's talking about. Got no idea. I'm like, lied about what? He goes, the carrots. And I got to like go back through, you know, three, four weeks of, of shit to go. Back. Oh, yeah, we made carrots. And then still, so, what, what do you mean? He goes, I tried it. It didn't work. I said, what do you mean it didn't work? He goes, I went to the market. I got carrots, beautiful organic carrots. I peeled them. I cut them up, put them in the foil, butter, sage, and salt, just like you did. I put them on the grill. They're not the same. Of course they're not the same. Of course they're not the same. Did you grow it? Did you grow it in your backyard? Did it come out of the ground? Or did it come out of the ground in Baja, Mexico? Go on a truck and get transported through three warehouses before you bought it. And maybe it's two months since that carrot came out of the ground before you cooked it. And of course, being kind of the polite British guy is, oh right, sorry, mate, right? Like it's all just over with that's just how they are. That's how the British are they take the piss out of you, and no oh yeah, you're right, okay. But yeah. So what was that impact? You think that man doesn't remember that every time he eats a carrot and it's not the same? You wake someone up to the reality of why we grow our own food by growing your own food and letting them consume it. You wake people up to the fact that you can have a better life as a person running a small business and become incredibly wealthy doing so, even if you don't go to college by doing it. And having people go, what do you do? Every person I have that comes and does work on my property for me, eventually like, what do you, what do you do? And when you tell them, they're like, oh, I want to listen. Do you know why? Because this is the result. If you want to wake up people, be the shining light, live the damn life that we talk about in spite of the odds, and people will follow you. What's the line in the song? Make your own way and the others will follow? Do you think Greg Yose and I were just messing around that we didn't actually know what we were doing when we came up with that concept? Now here's the thing at the end. It's not easy. But it is simple. None of this is easy. All of it's simple. There are things that you do, and if you do them long enough, you get good at them. They become repeatable. They become marketable. So skill set development is simple. Not easy. It's not easy. Even something you really feel like you love, there will be challenges in times. Where I'll be. T- you're learning to play music, there will be times when your fingers will be as a guitarist. you got to really love it. But if you do, you got to power through. That's why not everybody can play a guitar. Now the guy that can play a guitar will say, well anybody can learn. But not everybody's going to learn. Because it's simple, but it's not easy. Sure, there's the person that, that you hand them the guitar and show them three chords and they start playing like a professional and they've never touched an instrument before. There's people with that natural aptitude. But even if they want to become really masterful, they're going to have to do the work. It will be simple, but it won't be easy. Building a business? Simple. Simple. Not easy. It's like building a fire. There's probably in a person who listens to this show that can't start a fire. There's a lot of grown-ass adults that can't start a fire. I've seen it. You ever see anybody holding a match up to a log? Or throw one little paper underneath like a giant pile of big logs with no kindling and no tinder? And they light it and it flames up? Throw a little bit of lighter fluid on the logs and, and it goes away? There's a system to build a fire, right? You follow the system, you apply a flame, you get a fire. It, it can't... Fail when you follow the system properly. And there's more than one way to build a fire. But you have to pick a way and you have to follow through all the way with it. That's how life is. And it's why most people will never do it. In fact, will never be able to do it. If you've listened to this this long and you're still here and you're still with me, you're exceptional. I don't mean like you're a really good person or anything like that. Don't pat yourself on the back too hard. You're exceptional in humanity. Most people can't listen to something like this for 45 minutes and not be like, I don't want to hear this anymore. I can't take this anymore. I've got to get out of here. i got to go away. I want to go plug the thing back into my neck again. I want this all to stop. I want this all to go away. I want this all to be okay. Guess what that is? Your eternal advantage as a being on this planet. Because if everybody is following a lie, Not because they're bad, but because they believe it. And you know how to determine the truth and follow the truth. You're literally unstoppable. Your power is unlimited, if it's properly directed. If you take a running frontal assault at the beast, and the beast deals, the beast by this I mean corporatism and government. They are the masters of violence. They are the masters of violence. You do not use the weapon of choice of your enemy when you attack. You choose the time, the place, the terrain, and the weapon of your attack. You can be the greatest warrior ever, but if you grab a samurai sword and charge a line of just... World War II era entrenched foxholes with M1 Garants. How dead are you? Wrong place, wrong time, wrong terrain, wrong weapon, dead. And the consequences in our life are not always dead. Sometimes they're misery, sometimes they're imprisonment. Sometimes they're just a a person that has the potential for an exceptional life leading an average one and knowing it didn't have to be that way. Anything in that variable from death to mundane life is failure. You're exceptional because you can listen to that. You can accept it. And the potential for that lies, in my belief, in every single human that was ever born into this plane. The potential for that is there. And the way that it's touched and unleashed is simple, but it's not easy. And it's simple and not easy because everything in life is like, you know, we talk a lot about the ant and the grasshopper. Be an ant, not a grasshopper. The ant has an enemy. The ant has many enemies, but the ant has a specific enemy. It's an animal, an insect. We used to call, when I was a kid in Florida, they were everywhere. Doodle bugs. Also known as the ant lion. Have you ever seen what the ant lions do? They go down in soft earth, like sand or silt. Something really, really soft. Something really, really easy to flow. And they're almost like the creature in uh, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, the thing that eats people, digests them for a million years or whatever, right? It's kind of like that. It's a hole. But it's like a funnel. It's a trap. At the ant dares go over the edge. And it starts struggling and struggling and struggling. And the more it struggles and the faster it struggles, the more the walls cave in because they're so soft. And the angle is about 45 degrees. And now at the bottom... You see a little mouth sticking out, a little mo- mouth part sticking out. And that's the ant lion waiting. And if the ant comes all the way to the bottom of the hole, chomp and undergoes the ant. And the ant lion is not content to only let the trap do the work. As the ant struggles, it spits dirt at the ant to knock the ant down. That's this life. Struggling uphill in soft sand while others throw sand at you. There's an interesting thing, though, and as kids we would observe this, and sometimes we would actually encourage it, because you're not quite, you know, thinking ethically in regards to ants when you're 10 and bored in Florida. So what do you do? You get an ant and throw them in there to see what happens. There was two different ways that ants would handle this problem. Some of the ants would struggle as fast and hard and quick and go into a panic mode. They always died. Unless they ended up in a real tiny hole, like an ant lion that didn't do a good job of the trap. The people that built this trap, they're good at it. They've been doing it for millennia. It's a big hole with a big ant line and a long path. It was the ants that didn't panic that got out. They would just slowly, slowly walk to the surface... The ant lion would throw sand at them. They wouldn't panic. And most of those ants made it all the way to the top and went on about their lives. Whatever the life of an ant led to in the 1980s in Jacksonville, Florida, that's what they went and did. They didn't panic. They simply realized, up is the way out. I can move. Therefore, I'm going to move. If I go faster, it gets harder. So I'll be plotting... I'll go slow, I'll be patient, and I'll trust. I'll trust myself to get out. Now, the ant doesn't have that cognitive ability. This is a metaphor for those that take things too literally. But that's you. You don't have to sprint. You don't have to charge headlong. You have to make progress daily. And you have to have a clear vision of what you want. And I wanted to end with that. I wanted to tell you a story about this. This year at my workshop, one of my friends pulled one of these big emotional stunts that he's known for. And it was really an amazing thing. And it's it's created a whole... We're actually building a place to showcase what he started now. What he did, he was for a couple days, he was standing around making little notes and folding these little origami uh, swans. What the hell are you doing? What he did is he got a box and he put together... All of the swans, or uh, the little birds, the cranes, they're cranes actually, I think. And he tells a story about how in Japan they believe if a thousand cranes come to a place, a dream or a wish will be granted. And there was this little girl that was injured in, in the, uh, the atomic bomb attack. I don't remember if it was Hiroshima or Nagasaki, but she was in terrible pain radiation sickness and poison, which really wasn't well understood in the hospital. And they would bring her a certain medicine every day, and they gave her the medicine that came in a little paper, and she folded them into um, the crane. And when they asked what was the purpose of the crane, she told the nurses about the thousand cranes. And, of course, they were familiar with it and understood immediately. And they asked her what her wish was, and they expected that she would say, I hope I get better. But she didn't. Now, as she said, I hope no other little girl ever has to go through this ever again. She never got a thousand cranes, and she did pass away. But then the staff made a thousand cranes for the wish to be granted. So what that tricky prick was doing, he was listening to people speak about their dreams. He was listening to people tell others at our event, what they wanted to accomplish, and writing it down, he makes this box. And there was a lot of discussion about this. And we're actually putting a place on the back wall. And every year, we're going to have people do this now, and put the boxes up there. And every once in a while, we're going to go back in time and pull them down, and say, is, it, "Is the person who wrote this? Are you here? Did you accomplish this or part of this? Have you started?" And one of the speakers said, this place makes dreams come true. Again, I'd I'd like to take credit for that. I'd love to. I'd love to say, yeah, Jack Spirico put this event together and it makes dreams come true. Like we're some kind of Zig Ziglar thing and we come in and you can do it and you can do it. No, that's not what happens. There's very little like motivational Zig Ziglar type speaking At a TSP workshop. It's all mechanistic. This is how we do this. This is how we make this happen. But what happens? We federate. We don't commune. We federate. TSP communities are meritocracies. People find their own place, their own lane, their own niche, their own place they contribute, but everybody's welcome. We exchange ideas. We barter. We trade. We do business. We form partnerships. But we surround ourselves with people that are like us. And in that moment of being comfortable, of being surrounded by people that won't laugh at you, that won't mock you for saying you're going to do a thing, there's something really, really special that happens. Really special. People speak it out loud in front of other people. And you can go into the world of things like noetic science to understand what that does. Speaking that thing while others are there. And that other person saying, oh, oh. Instead of, you'll never do that. Or why would you want that? You know what? What if you try this? And it's not some bullshit. It's a genuine, even if it's not the right answer, it's a genuine attempt to help. And then the collective... kicks in because federations are collectives in a way and others believe that you can do what you just made real and said you were going to do and then not in some weird spiritual spooky way some of the secret way of manifestation but you literally begin to manifest the events in your life that will lead to that achievement and I'll tell you what Never fear doing it. If you want the simple to become much easier, though not easy, speak it into existence around others. Say it, mean it, and then go fucking do it. So what happens here that makes these things come true in people's lives, and we've seen it, we've seen it over and over and over again, we've had people stand up and say, "At the end, what do you, we do?" Sometimes we do a segment called "What are you taking away?" And people say, "I'm going to go do this and come back a year or two later. I fucking did that because they made it real. That's mastery of the world you live in. You were not born to do what other people tell you you were born to do." You were not born to pursue a degree path because your parents think it makes it cool that they can tell their friends that you did that. If you were born to be a doctor, you were born to be a doctor, whether your parents think it's a good idea or not, whether they're proud of it or not, it doesn't matter. If you were born to operate heavy equipment, it's the same. If you were born to be a handyman that's really good at what you do and improves your community and builds a tremendous reputation there, then that's what you were born to do. If you were born to be a farmer, you were born to be a farmer. If you were born to be a teacher, you were born to be a teacher. I will tell you this. In my experience, the happiest people in the world walk the closest to the center of the path they were born to walk that's possible. And they only get off the path long enough to get around an obstacle. And they never fear taking a new path. Because sometimes our paths do end. Even if we hike across half the country, getting on the Appalachian Trail and hiking to Maine, at Catalan, the trail ends. If you want to do something else, you've got to be like Dixie Mills from our Expo council, Pacific Rim, or the Continental Divide, or go down to South America. You have to go to a new trail. Sometimes even the path we love ends. It's okay. But we never cease walking the path that's true and right for us at the time. And if you do that, now you're fighting back. Now you're unstoppable. Now you're non-brittle. And now you will wake others up. Because you can't do it with your words. You can only do it with your actions and their results. And every minute of your life that you're living your best life and doing what's right for you and living that better life, if times get tough or even if they don't, every moment you do that, somebody's watching. You don't think they're watching. And I don't mean your your, your CIA agent that's monitoring this communication right now or something like that. No, I mean your kid's watching. Your neighbor's watching. Your brother-in-law, who you think thinks you're an idiot, is going, holy crap, look what he's done. And all of a sudden, people in your life that you thought would never do this come to you and they say, how how do I do this? What do you think I should do? Can you help me? And all of a sudden, you're their Morpheus for that one thing. That's power. And it's why they hate it, and it's why they fear it. You want to make somebody angry. Go out and do what they say can't be done and be good at it, be great at it, and benefit from it. Now they're mad. Society wants you to believe that conformity is the path to happiness. Conformity is the path to complacency, and complacency is the path to just live until you die. To basically marking time with your dash. Instead of doing something with it. I talked yesterday briefly about your life force going into a thing that you make. And if you trade that for money, wanting to trade it for something that actually does right by it, that stores that energy, not a dollar that that inflates by 10% a year and its value drops by 10% a year. That's a pathetic way to store your life force, your life energy. We've all been given this incredible gift. We got to be born. We got to be born. And then we get whatever number of years, whatever number of minutes, whatever number of seconds, whatever number of nanoseconds we get. We get that. What do we do with it? We all end as dirt, dust, compost. Everything in it, all our minerals, all the essence of us, That literally came from the stars, guys. We are children of the stars. I don't even mean that metaphysically, guys. You can take metaphysics into it. You can take quantum entanglement into it. And then the whole thing just explodes. Mind-bending crap. You don't even have to. Just chemically. Every element in our universe that ends up on a planet started out in the nuclear reactor that was a star somewhere. We are children of the stars. We are stardust. That's what we are. And by some miracle, you got to be born. And your destiny is to go back to that raw material. It's the consciousness that makes you you. And what happens next? I'm not a preacher. I don't know. But I know that no matter what happens, whether it's answered in the mysteries of the world's religions if it's some sort of continuation of consciousness if it's peaceful darkness forever, no matter what it is no matter what it is you owe it to yourself to make the best out of the fact that you got to be born and if you want to fight back that's what you do that's all I got for you guys today I'm not going to take questions in this one I appreciate you being with me the audio version of this should be out in about an hour all right, guys, I, I hope you enjoyed that one. I want to remind you, if you like the show and the work that I do, there's a couple ways that you can uh, help support it and make sure it will always be around. One is to become a member. If you just go to the survivalpodcast.com one of the tabs that you'll see, or in the mobile version of the site, little pull-downs will be members. You can click on that and learn how to sign up. It's 50 bucks a year. That comes out to about $0.18 an episode. If you think what you just heard was worth $0.18, consider joining. Then you're not just paying for the content that you could have for free anyway. Get your discounts. Use your discounts. Get your money back. Make a profit on it. I do value for value. The other way is you can do your online shopping at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z.com. Now, it is that time of year where everybody's doing their gift shopping and starting to become last-minute, really, really quick, isn't it? We're already... Uh, through the first week almost of uh, December, certainly on a day count. Seven days is a week, right? Uh, so we're heading quick into the Christmas season. I have an item today that would be a good item as a small gift for anybody that likes to go outside and cook on the grill. Really big time. But remember, you can help support me no matter what you buy as long as you just start at tspaz.com. Today's item of the day is a pellet smoker tube. And you can find these things for 8 to 10 bucks all over the place. But you know what most of them are? They're junk. They're very thin-gauge. They're not well-designed. The whole size is wrong. They don't do a good job. And that's why people say, Pallet tube smokers don't work real good. No, cheap ones don't work real good. Or they work really good, and then it lasted one season and fell apart. Yeah, because it's thin-gauge steel, and you're putting hot stuff burning inside of it. It doesn't last. This one's made by a company called LizQ, L-I-Z-Z-Q. It's about 15 bucks, so you pay about five more dollars for it, but you'll like it, you'll use it, it'll last a long damn time. I've had one now for about two years. I used to recommend one from a brand called Cave Tools, but I guess the supply chain shortage has killed off that product for them. Uh, this was, this was as good as, as the Cave Tools one, if not better. It is heavy gauge. You can take it out of the box and you can beat somebody half to death with it if you want to. That's how heavy gauge it is. Smoking tubes are fantastic for cooking, and I wanted to, Kind of tell you the basics of using one today so you get some value out of this segment. If you already own one, maybe, so you can get more out of it. Well, one thing you need to do when you fill these things up with uh, pellets... You need to light them with a torch, not a match. And you need to really, really light them. Really get that like you're lighting a giant cigar at the end. And let it burn for a couple of minutes. In general, it'll burn for a minute or two and the flame will go out. And then it'll kind of start to form little embers and it'll start going. When that happens, don't close the grill. Leave it go another couple minutes and make sure it stays lit and stays burning. And if you light it and the flames go out really quick, like in the first couple seconds... Hit it with the torch again. Get it burning. And then give it some time. The next thing, if you're going to smoke something for four or five hours, like a pork butt roast or something, you don't have to worry about this. If you're going to smoke, like you're going to put some thick steaks on, you want to put a little bit of smoke flavor in them, get that pellet smoker going at least 30 minutes before you plan on putting the steaks on. Really. I mean, what will happen with these is the longer they burn, the more smoke they make. And when you when you go out two hours into it, you think the damn grill's on fire. It's really like kind of like an hour in is where they start to really really peak in the smoke output. The other thing is you can do this with any grill, but it's really great with like charcoal grills and like Weber kettles. You can pick the grate up, stick it down in the bottom of the grill, put your coals over to one side. Right, and your smoker over the other side and then put your meat in the center because if you drip grease on the smoker, it will flare up. You don't want to do that. But now you got the smoke coming up from the bottom and fully enveloping. And if you're thinking to yourself, self, they're only 15 bucks. I could get two of them and I could cold smoke, one on each side at the bottom of a grill and the grate above them. That is an A for pattern recognition, guys. There's a lot you can do with it. I have a lot more information on the write-up. I, I, I just feel that this is one of those things that's cheap And so flexible. If you cook outdoors, you should have one. And if you know someone that cooks outdoors and you want a cool Christmas gift without breaking the bank, fitting bucks, and you're going to get them the best one that I know of that's available. I'm not saying it's the best one. It's the best one i found that doesn't say currently unavailable. And I've had mine, like I said, I guess a year and a half. Still use it all the time. I have the cave tool once, too, because I like two of things, right? We talked about redundancy and resiliency and two, making more smoke than one. Yeah, they're great. Check it out today. And remember, no matter what, you can always support us by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. That brings us to our song of the day today. And uh, again, I'm featuring a band, a, a very, not a very well-known band, though they, they're they're like hitting top top hits in some of the charts on Apple Music and stuff because they are they're hitting it right where it needs to be hit right now with all the crap that's going on. And I was listening, a lot of their music is, it's kind of sad sounding because of what it's about. Um, one I will play for you later this week is called Jesus, What Have We Become? But I'm like, today's show can't have something that is kind of depressing sounding, even if it is meant to inspire. And of the songs I've listened to by them, the one that I thought was perfect for today is called I Will Not Be Going Quietly. And that's about fighting back. And I'm not going down quietly, folks. I'm not going to go away. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to ever stop. I'm not going to be quiet. But I am going to, I'm going to work on the concept of the quiet insurrection, as I've called it, building on Bill Mollison's thought on insurrection. That we living our lives the way we want, in spite of the facts that they say we're not supposed to, that's quiet insurrection. It makes us ungovernable and unstoppable. And I hope you'll join me and you won't go quietly. With that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast.
0: Smart me, you can shame me and try to blame me. You can do your best to shut me up, but I will not